Welcome to Build with Rob. I am Rob Deerdeck, CEO and founder of the Deerdeck Machine, a one-of-a-kind venture creation studio where we systematically fuse art, science, and magic to manufacture amazing companies and amazing lives. That's what we're all about down here. Life and business strategies. We're all just trying to push towards amazing. And amazing is a high-quality, happy life. Uh, Need I remind you, wherever you're listening to this podcast, like, subscribe, be all about it. Do you want to be on this podcast and talk life and business strategy with me? Uh, Go to DeerDickMachine.com and make a video. Let's get together. Let's talk about it. I love hearing about everybody's business ventures. I love hearing people's questions and concerns and thoughts about how they can evolve and grow as individuals. And I love just sharing advice on on all aspects of whether it be business or life strategy. It's what I just love to do. It's not why I created this show initially, but the universe just evolved and guided me into this place. And it's something I really, really enjoy doing and get a, get a ton of energy from. You know, and and for me, you know, look, I'm also someone who's deeply dedicated to being better and better and better all the time, getting more efficient, more optimized, uh, living more balanced, more happy, right? At the end of the day, that's what we're all chasing here. And one thing I've been on lately and I've been sharing it uh, with a lot of different people is is my sort of evolved way of of the power of the mind and your thoughts and how important they are, you know? And for me, you know, I realized, you know, over time that every single thought counts. Every single thought counts. Every single time you use your mind uh, to create a thought, that ultimately leads towards a decision that you have to make that becomes the experience that you have in the future, right? Again, I say, you know, your thoughts uh, plus your decisions equal your experience. And and now you, you break that apart and you start to look at like that's how you ultimately end up developing the future. Everything that happens in the future or what you're experiencing is based off of the thoughts that you had in the past, you know, and they compound on top of each other. So if you're constantly thinking in a negative way, you're you're basically preparing yourself for a negative future. If you're constantly thinking about things in a positive way and what could be and, and problem solving in your head and creating in your head, that is what's going to end up being what you experience in the future. Because, I, you know, I, I was really trying to understand, like, how did I get to a place that I just ended up with with such few negative thoughts, right? And and even even when I would hear myself like say it initially, and then people were like, "What's up with you? Never having any negative thoughts?" It seems impossible, and almost like you know, well, that's not. He's just saying that to say it. Uh, but the truth is, that's that's the output of how much clarity I have in my existence, how much I've grown and evolved, and how much I've built a life. Um, that that just doesn't allow me to ever drift into negative places. And then you optimize that and you end up in a state that you so rarely have negative thoughts. Because what I realized is, you know, look, I lived in five places, 
right? I was either dwelling and upset. I was living in that negative, right? And you just sit there and you can pick apart everything and every, you know, it's the, the, oh, what was me? And oh, if I didn't do that, I could have done this, all of that, you know, or um, I was hoping and wishing. Oh, if I could, if this would just happen. Oh, if, if, if I just knew this person, oh, if this, you know, these are these two states where nothing is happening. Nothing, nothing. You're not accomplishing anything by dwelling. You're really regressing when you're dwelling and being negative. You're basically moving backwards, right? But if you're hoping and wishing and dreaming, it seems way more fun. It's way more relaxing, gives you way more energy, but it is equally as ineffective because you're just doing nothing. You're just like wishing something would be or you're dwelling. They, they, they seem so different and they are on either ends of the spectrum. But look, they're both serving the same purpose of doing nothing for you, you know. And, and what I realized is, man, why do I always live in this place of positivity is because I don't ever get stuck in either of those places, you know, because it's like you are either attacking problems and you're problem solving. You're either experiencing the present and enjoying what you're doing and living life or you're creating the future. And for me, I've just been in this perpetual state of, you know, experiencing and creating almost at, at all times. Okay, unless I'm faced with problems that I have to solve and attack and get out of the way, right? And so what does that ultimately mean? That that means that my mind share and my my ability to spend time on constantly enjoying my life and or putting energy towards creating the future so that I can experience better life, higher quality of life, more excitement, more success, all of these different things related to my mind and the thoughts that I have. And when I started thinking about that on a deeper level, I just started thinking about like, man, I don't waste much of my thoughts or mind share throughout a day. You know, even if I'm spending time with my wife and kids or just relaxing or even if I'm in the gym, it's like when I settle down, my mind settles into thinking about stuff that I would like to to create or do or, or, or problems or things that I can solve right now through thought experiments before I can go take action on them and bring them into to realization. Now, it compounds over time when you're constantly thinking about how to evolve and create a better future for yourself, right? Because they, you're, you're creating the plans and making mistakes and, and thinking through other things in your head before you actually take action to do it, you know? And, and for me, you know, I, I actually read it in a book called The Science of Getting Rich. I recently read it. I wasn't familiar with the book, uh, CEO of Outstanding Foods told me about it and said, hey, it was written in 1910, but it's like, it's like truth and philosophy of success. And in one aspect of that book, and it's remarkable, you should read it because it's written in 1910 and it's 100% applicable uh, to finding success at this day and age. It's, it's remarkable testament of a timeless work uh, that doesn't get nearly the credit as something like Think and Grow Rich does. But uh, an aspect inside his philosophy is how important it is 
for a successful person to constantly be using their free space in their mind to be evolving, creating, and growing uh, at all times. And then when I break that out, and, and I just think about in general how much um, that has benefited me and ultimately how that is, in fact, a, a gift that I have that allows me to be constantly working, evolving, and growing in my mind instead of being basically at a dead standstill. Hoping and wishing or dwelling and being bummed something didn't happen. You know, and, and I'm not saying that you uh, aren't going to drift into a place depending on what's happening into your life where you don't get pulled into that space and you can't escape it for a while. But if you can just be aware of your mind and your thoughts and just think like, how is this affecting me now and ultimately my future? Because again, you know, the thoughts that you have will lead to the decisions that you make that ultimately equal the experience that you have. And, and the life that you are living right now, right here today, what you are experiencing is based off of the thoughts you had and the actions that you took on the decisions you made that led you to this moment. And you could break everything down and look at that. And when you begin to understand that, that your mind is actually the beginning of all of this, this chain reaction and cause and effect that can lead you in two directions, in, in a positive direction or a negative direction, you know, you'll really begin to appreciate how important it is to manage the way that you think and get better and better at constantly staying in a state of experiencing and ultimately creating the future. So think about that, you know what I mean? Because we're all just, trust me, we all just want to live in this perpetual state of, of experiencing the life that we love and joy and a high quality of life. And then guess what? We loved experiencing this. Let's create more of it. That's sort of the, the, the state, the perpetual state and rhythm that you want to get into uh, because it absolutely feels amazing. All right, today... Uh, we got a couple of great entrepreneurs, uh, great questions, great insight. Again, you know, I love uh, talking about uh, companies and strategies and, and, and every, every, every person that's on this show that talks about their idea, I go and research as much as I can about it. I love learning about their ideas. I, I love hearing their stories. Again, that's why I love getting videos from everybody. It allows me to really understand and see the person and feel the passion, sometimes feel the pain to really kind of get to know them before they end up on this show where we can experience a little bit of fun together. So without further ado, let's bring on our first guest. My name is Ryan Sullivan, founder of Podcast Principles, a podcast launch and production company specifically for personal brands. Um, a little bit about me, um, I am a podcaster, rapper, and producer, and I also do own this business, but I started off as a mechanic. I was a mechanic uh, while I was in high school, going into college. I wanted to quit that job. I really enjoyed it, but I wanted to find a way to do what I actually love to do um, after work 
during the day. So what I did was while I was in school, I started applying for freelance jobs, became a freelance audio editor. Um, I'm self-taught. I'm a self-taught audio engineer and music producer. And so basically out of necessity, because I couldn't afford to buy music, uh, buy beats for my own rap music. So I ended up just, you know, making the beats myself and learning how to engineer audio. And at the same time, I was launching my podcast, uh, which is called Bobcast. It's a local interview show. I'm from New Jersey. I've interviewed at this point over 70 artists, entrepreneurs, and interesting people on the show. Um, to, to put it in a simple way, we launch your podcast without you having to waste any time. So the only thing that our clients are doing is booking their guests and recording the interviews themselves. We handle everything else. I'm here in my parents' garage in New Jersey, and I'm 23 years old. My name is Ryan Sullivan, founder of Podcast Principles, and I cannot wait to be on your show. Ryan Sullivan, welcome to Build with Rob. How are you? Rob, thank you so much for having me, man. I'm doing great. Where are you coming from, man? You coming live from the parents' basement or what? Garage, parents' garage, but New Jersey, USA, baby. Representing that, my that's, life. Yes, Man, sir. that's a really nice looking garage. Yeah, I so my dad kind of made it uh, when I was a kid as like a man cave, and then uh, I ended up spending a couple nights out here, and then I kind of just next thing he knew it was a podcast studio, and I guess he figured, well, you know, this is this this is my kid's job, so I might as well just let him do it. Yeah, I love um, it. He hasn't asked for it back yet, so yeah, gotta be you, grateful for that. Rob. Yeah, you got you got great parents if they're allowing the studio to be in the man cave, you know. All right, look, tell me, tell me, lay out like uh, your business uh, and then then let's have a, a quick discussion about sort of what you created up, up to this point. Yeah, sure thing, man. So, yeah, I, I've been creating podcasts for about four years now. Started just my own personal podcast. And, uh, you know, I started doing it just myself talking to the camera. And I realized that I if I brought in guests, it would be I wanted to learn more from people. I, I realized like I already have the information. I'm trying to give it to other people. But I want to also learn from people as well. So I've had this show, guest-based podcast for four years, um, interviewed over 80 people, investors, entrepreneurs, you know, race car drivers, the whole nine. Um, but I had a lot of trouble because I, first of all, didn't know how to market it, didn't know how to promote it, um, didn't know how to find guests that I wanted but couldn't get, uh, you know, didn't really know how to maintain an audience and then create content to bring in new people. Like I knew what to do for my audience, but how do I grow it, right? So all these different problems. And so I basically throughout that time, I, I had worked for a couple companies, created podcasts for companies, specifically um, a marketing company. It was the first podcast I created for somebody else. And the the everything just went on the back burner, man. Like they just like sit like the company was in debt, like the culture was terrible. Like it was it was like a narcissist CEO, like it was a whole like all these things. But I'm super grateful that happened because it allowed me, number one, to learn how to run a digital business. And then number two made me realize that I have to have control of these projects and that if a company wants me to create a podcast with them or for them, I have to really set those boundaries. I can't rely on them to do it. And then that's what you did. You ended up building like the business that creates podcasts for anyone who wants a podcast. Is that what the company business is? That's it. So podcast creation and launch for personal brands. Everything in this space that I've seen is a lot of B2B, everything. Just create a podcast to get sales, create a podcast for your ideal client, all these things. But what about people like myself? I'm a rapper, um, podcaster, you know, producer. I wanted to make one for my little audience. What about people like Rob Deerdeck? Like you're sure you have this huge company around you, Rob, but you're a personal brand, right? So there was no one stop shot, one company creating them for personal brands. And after I left, I'm like, I don't want to work for companies anymore. 
I don't want to work for huge teams. I want to work with solo individuals. Yeah. And then, and then for you in launching the business, like what has been like the, the biggest challenge and where do you see the opportunity for you right now? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest challenge has probably just naturally been like the challenge for everybody, which is just scaling and growing. Like it's kind of easy, not easy, but it's way easier to get the first three, four, five paying clients that love you. But how do you get the next 10, 15, 20, 50 clients and then build a team with the same culture of yourself that you're trying to build? And then how do you learn how to teach other people that? So definitely my challenge has been scalability. And then also, I guess, developing the team. Yeah. And look, it, you know, the truth is, is, is it's a very personal business that you've created that, you know, and it's based off your personal experience and you're, you're, you're everything. You're the sales guy. You're the strategy. You're the creative. You're the, like, you basically are the one man show. Like you may have some, some partners with you helping on the the operational side, but at the end of the day, it's, it's also like a super personal business. Right. And, and for you, um, your relationship with that client is ultimately the lifetime value of how they are to you uh, or what they are to the business. But ultimately the real lifetime value of them as a customer is the output that they get from their podcast. Right. Because the problem with like, you know, finding a personal brand, uh, someone trying to to speak to their brand, the, you know, the, the people that know you rapping on the weekends. Right. Like, you know, on the other side, like that, how much value and time and money can you spend on that before it's like, ah, I'm not sure if I should be spending all this time and money on a podcast right now versus these sort of, um, I don't necessarily want to call it B2B, but where you can help create value for a real estate guy, a car salesman guy, you know, these different sort of people that can directly look at, okay, I sold three more cars this year. Oh, look at this. I got five more clients because of this. Like, like it's the actual ROI for who you're making the product for or building the podcast for is where you're going to have a much stickier, more valued uh, sort of consumer, if you will, you know, and it just, just when I think about what you're doing and, and what led you to, to get here, because it is, it's the classic example of you built the skill set by doing it for the agency and then you, well, I could make a business out of this and do this for, for other people. And then, boy, what happens? Like, then it's like a business. Now it's hard. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like, and, and, and creative services, boy, whoo. I didn't realize this was like this, Rob. I thought I was like, all right, cool, man. I'll edit some audio. Oh. How, how crazy could it be? Yeah. And then, yeah. And like you said, the personalized, the thing, and it's like, yeah, people love me. They love working with me and like, and, but how do you scale that hundred X scale that or, or whatever you want to do? It depends on your goals. But anyway, I, that's where LinkedIn came in for me because my content, my engaging on LinkedIn, it still does. It does to this day. It brings people to me, but I'm only one me. Right. All creative services kind of arrow back to the one sort of founder, one here, the creative voice that you're basically connecting with. So, you know, I, I'm, I think you should look at it from, from a couple different ways. Like obviously the more clients you have, the better, right? But, but it's really the quality of the clients versus the scale of the clients, right? Because at the end of the day, you want to keep 
giving value and keep monetizing like your core clients that basically you're this end to end solution for them that they're seeing results and growth in their social media and their friends are saying they love it and this and that and and they're seeing the results in in cl- their own clients or whatever it may be so they want this to keep going and you one way to scale is to have less clients and have more ways to monetize them right um, but but the truth is 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 you really just are going to be in that position of always wanting quality over quantity, and then determining what your goal is connected to that, and then you can begin to look at okay now I have this base, then I could hire somebody that could then replace me, and then how do we begin to automate this and and create tiers right for a much easier lower level, but the question is is that what you want to do with your time and your life and everything that you're designing with this business. You know what I mean? Because you got a lot of other aspirations and seem that you have other things that you want to do, you know? Yeah, that's really it. It's, it's where do I want it to go? See, I wasn't, I was under indexed on the digital. I thought that, okay, cool. I'll sell some podcasts online. I'll do some audio editing from home. It's COVID. I, and then I'll open a studio and just have a recording studio, you know, uh, done for you podcast studio. You come in, personal brands, businesses, whatever it might be, you get a producer. I mean, this is model is, is, is in every city. Right. Um, and I thought that's what it was, but then I realized like the scalability and then working with people all around the country, I can just help more people. So then my goals kind of changed a little bit where it's like, yeah, I want to be the studio guy. I've worked in and out of studios. I love that concept, but the digital is, is way too promising. The people who stayed online during COVID they're still online. They're yeah. still consuming online. And they're still making content online. So yeah, that's where the goal the goal has kind of shifted a little bit for me. And then that's what brings that question of also, now that that's changed, how do I want to balance these other passions where in their own right, I believe they could also be as effective or you know as um, monetarily valuable. Yeah, and and look, and I I think it's you're still young, right? And you know, there's that aspiration. I want to be an entrepreneur. I want to be my own boss. I want to go do it. And, and everything that you're doing with this project is is building your toolkit, building your experience, building your understanding, right? Like you, all these things that, that you learned about the business, you would have had no idea had you not done it, right? Because you just don't understand how difficult something, you don't know what you don't know until you realize you don't know it, right? Like, and and that's the the cycle of almost all young entrepreneurs, you know what I mean? And and sometimes those are insurmountable and, and the business uh, can't survive because you make a decision of it's just too much work. And, and my goal wasn't to like have more work and be basically locked into this idea. This was going to be a means to an end, if you will, for me to do other things. So when it comes to balancing those, I really think you've got to define what's the most important and what purpose each of them serve. And then how do you design and grow them to serve each other and give yourself the freedom to pursue other things, right? So so does that look like a, sorry to cut you off, but I'm just curious. Does that look like a framework that like similar to what you have? Does that, is the kind of like the next step then to create that type of life design framework? Or is it more in answering those questions for myself first? I think it's both, right? But if I was to like, I look at the business is like, how do I get 
15 core clients that cover my living and lifestyle expenses, and I can slowly hire a couple bodies and get it into where I reduce it from, you know, taking 10 hours a day down to three hours a day so that I'm now sustainable. And then I can now focus on, you know, you know, going and doing shows on the weekend, whatever it may be, it's, it's basically defining the purpose of everything you're creating, then sacrificing with intent to get it into the place that you want, that it's serving your greater design for the life that you want to live. And it was, I had to learn it through television, right? Like where I just didn't want to be on television and I didn't want to be on MTV at 40. I'm like, man, this is outrageous. I can't still be on this show at, at 40 when I was like my trying to decide what my life looked like. And so what was happening? You know, I it, it like going and shooting ridiculousness was like this burden. I was just constantly like, oh, I wish I was like focused on business and these other things. But when I finally designed the life that I wanted and, and began to look at all those ports, I realized, well, wow, well, TV is actually this really like huge value that allows me to generate all this income and awareness that can give me sort of the leverage and the time to continue to work on building the machine and, and sort of my venture stuff that I want to do. I reframed it. And then I was like, wow, like then look at your, this unfair advantage that you have in, in the media space. Like you should build and sell, let your first build and sold company be a production company because you have the revenue built in with the television show. And when I, when it completely reframed and they connected, like I then like the energy and the purpose of, of shooting the show changed for me. And now it was about building super jacket and this amazing company. That's going to be my first company that I built and sold. And, and what happened? It was the first company I built and sold. You know, and, and it, it laid the foundation for basically the evolution into what became who I am in this show and what the Deer Deck Machine is to this day. And I am at the same time designed what was happiness to me and what, how I wanted to spend my time. And, and if, and when I do make money, what am I going to do with the money? Like I designed everything together and what it all meant and then went out and began to do it. And together, like I was still being able to to try new things and, and and along the way, but was like evolving and growing as one unified sort of system, if you will. It's just what I think you should just kind of consider um, as you look at 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 not not trading off which one's more important. But but putting a strategy to each one, and so how do it's they done. feed into the grand yeah. vision, and, more and, future focused? Yeah, and and knowing that there's still a part of you that may change in five years, yeah. you know, most I, likely will. Yeah, because you got to think. I did that at forty. You know what I mean? Now I'm forty-seven. And I, you know, I still have like another like you know three hundred episodes on this contract, and I will probably. I, you know, I don't, I would, I would shoot this thing till I'm 60 now. You know what I mean? Like, I don't like, I have so highly optimized it. Cause you got to think about it. it. used to take all this time and energy. And then I spent so much focus on how do I get it more and more effortless. And it, and I literally drove it to where it takes almost no mind share, no time. It, it's the smallest sliver of my life. 
and it has this huge output. Like 80-20, though, I, I just, that's really it. No, I mean, it's not even 80-20. It is, as I, you may or may not know, I track all of my time, well, and I can tell <laughs> yeah, you. Yeah, I should not have thrown that percentage You know what I'm saying? Shooting 250 <laughs> episodes of television each year is exactly 4% of my time. And that that is a highly optimized, fully balanced human being who then applied, um, you know, deep optimization uh, to shooting a television show and getting it to that place. But I, I if we could push off into your future, right, mm-hmm. if if you can build the systems and build sort of the principles and strategies of the quality of clientele and, and how you service them and 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 what you expect out of them and their long-term value, your podcast principles could be uh, what is generating you great sustainable income that's allowing you to to live out the adventure of the life that you choose to do with your remaining time and drive it to 4% instead of 80% of your time at this point. You know what I mean? Is just something to consider just as you look at everything. And even if you change, if you begin to think of life like this, you just get better and better. And you make every, every decision feeds into that. That's and it. it yeah. every, every decision matters as it relates to the, your system of life and how it all integrates. And the more and you get, the, if you begin to look at it like that, then you get better and better at designing it, better and better at growing it together harmoniously, which ultimately leads to a fulfilling happy life. And, and the truth is like, define it. I defined the life that I live today. I defined it in 2015. I set off on a journey, uh, to, to realize it in 2016. And I realized the entire entirety of it within five years. And now I am like, my vision for the next version is almost perpetual because now I have so much harmony in the way it's all been designed and so much clarity. As you continue to grow, you keep seeing further and further, but you just got to define it in the beginning and get through that first set of, of, of milestones of what's possible because then you believe anything's possible. You know, I'll do it now at 23, Rob. That's it. I wish I would have did it at 23. You know oh, that's I mean? the beauty of this though, man. Yeah. I can, I read Tim Ferriss when I was 17, started a digital business at 21. I met, I've watched Gary Vee for seven years, met him when I, in 2019, then started my business. Like now I'm talking to you. It's like, I don't, I got, I just, I have to apply this stuff. I think that's a real, th- there's so much shiny object syndrome, man, everywhere. And, and, and people, we want to change our goals just because we find something else that's cool. Yeah. Whereas the thing we're grinding on for five years isn't as exciting anymore. And, and it's, it's tough, but I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just going to take your advice. It's basically, yeah, it. look, and I, <laughs> I, I like that. It's going to go Tim Ferriss, Gary V and Robbie D you yes, know what I mean? and then, and then, and then cake, Robbie man. D told me I needed to look at my life yeah. as these integrated systems and design them all together and grow into the ideal life. And that's what I'm living today. Look, I look, if you go like, I picture you in like, in like, you know, seven or eight years, like, being like a Tim Ferriss, Gary V, Robbie D of like, here's the guys that mentored me. And then here's the position when I met him. And then this is the evolution that I became. Uh, I hope to see that's, it. That's it. That's what we're doing, Rob. All right. Well, look, it, it was here. a pleasure to meet you. Uh, I wish you the absolute uh, best in, in the entire business. But again, uh, just, just seek quality over quantity 
and, and really understand what you expect to get out of that business. Let it be your anchor of sustainability so you could be rapping on the weekends, try to you find know, that man. hit song. You know what I mean? Rob, you don't know how much this means to me. I got my best friend sitting next to me. I mean, I've been I've been here since I've been watching you for 15 years, man. It's just it's crazy to be here. And thank you just so much, not just for me, but for doing this for us. There's not a lot of people that we can actually have access to to get these real answers from people who are actually doing it. So thank you so much for doing this, man. I appreciate it, man. Best of luck to you, man. Hey, guys. Hey, Rob. Hey, uh, the whole team at Daredevil Machine. Uh, I've watched every single uh, podcast that you guys uh, put out and kind of binge watched it uh, over a couple of days and thought, what the heck, I think I need to reach out to you guys and, and see if there's an opportunity for you guys to take a good look at Bandit. So what is Bandit? Bandit's a uh, invention that my son came up with uh, about three years ago when he was a freshman at Arizona State University. And what we've created is uh, two platforms that are revenue potentials, one being a peel and stick uh, uh, grip device for the back of your phone, which is our Bandit peel and stick. Um, which we have in the marketplace now. I, I got about four or 5,000 units in and we're selling those online. Um, again, that's been a challenge, just finding customers, um, but we're, we're already selling those. And then the other one is we'll be launching our phone case. So our phone case is similar to the peel and stick, but the bandit's built right in. So cool thing is it's very slim. You can see that it's very slim. And then when you want to use it, you just push in the center of the, the phone. Now you have your grip device and it's not coming out, and it makes it easy for you to be able to hold. And Rob, for you guys that do all of that skateboarding stuff, just to be able to hold this free-handed uh, while you're while you're skating or, or those kind of things, we think that's pretty cool too. We I love we love what you've done, and, and uh, it's amazing, uh, how, you know, where you guys are with your your businesses and how successful you are. And so uh, appreciate any kind of feedback you might be able to give us, and uh, we look forward to uh, speaking with you. Uh, real soon. Thanks. See ya. Dusty Pearson, welcome to Build with Rob. How are you? Good, good. Good to hear from you, man. Hey. How's everything going with you? I look, you know, I live the dream over here, you know, but I I what I love is seeing a father-son project come alive all the way to creating a business together. Uh, something that I found very endearing about the your your video and overall story of the the sort of genesis of the bandit and the entire concept. So uh, I look forward to building a company with my son uh, when he's maybe 10, maybe 10 or 11. We're already talking sure. about building a water bottle together. He's five. And he's, <laughs> hey, like, when, start somewhere. he's like, when am I going to start my first company, dad? And I'm like, we could do it right now. Well, I'm still too young. And it's like how a five-year-old could make that assessment is beyond me. But but you're living, you're living my future. So uh, please just just lay out sort of Bandit uh, as a product and and vision for what the business is and kind of the state of where it's at right now for us, real quick. Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for uh, for having me on. Yeah, this really. Uh, I'm an automotive engineer by trade. Um, work for a big uh, national brand. I've uh, been doing it for 29 years and really had no. I mean, we all have ideas, right? As we go through our lives, never really acted on it. And really, my son was a freshman at, at, at college. He was away at school, and he, he kind of came home with this idea. And he's pitching it to me, and I'm like, yeah, it sounds cool. Um, but as an engineer, I'm like, yeah, we all have ideas, but I, I really, you know, go make a prototype for me. So I asked him, I said, if you're really serious about this, go make something I can touch and feel, something that you can bring back, and I can kind of take a look at it. Not really thinking I was pushing him away, 
But the reality was, you know, ideas, taking an idea to the next phase is always tough. And so he went back to his dorm. And about a month later, he comes home. I'm actually on a meeting with uh, uh, our company meeting with some people in Japan. And uh, he just throws this prototype. And I had told him back up a little bit. I said, I don't care if you make it out of cardboard. I don't care what you make it out. Just make something that I can touch and feel. So fast track, the month goes by. He throws this cardboard cutout on my desk of this grip device. And Bandit is a cell phone grip device for the back of your phone. I looked at it and I know it's a very crowded marketplace. But to be honest with you, Rob, when I saw it, I'm like, you might have something here. So, you know, I asked him, how much market research did you do? Did you do? And a freshman in college, he probably spent about 30 minutes Googling what was out there. So, <laughs> so then I spent about two weeks or, you know, three weeks just seeing what the market was before we took that next step. After that, uh, I have a buddy of mine that's also an engineer who does 3D printing out of his garage, does a lot of bike parts and that kind of stuff. And I said, hey, man, I want to show you this. He saw it. His eyes blew up. And he's like, let's go do it. So fast forward, you know, we've been we've been in development for about three years. And the reality is I, I knew we were going to run into these hurdles all along the way. There was going to be a hurdle that we just weren't going to be able to get over. But we got over everything. I mean, we went from designing and prototyping to tweaking it. You know, one of the things I told my son is you got to have something that's unique. That's a very, very crowded field. You got to have something that's different. So we made sure that we had three unique selling points on Bandit. Um, you know, it rotates, it, the band comes out, it goes on the back of the phone, it, you could put it in landscape and portrait. Um, so then we, you know, we went to that next hurdle, the next hurdle, I just knew we were going to get stopped by patents, right? You know, and, uh, we got a patent attorney and we, next thing you know, we've got a design patent, a utility patent. We got the, the trademark branded. Um, I can kind of show you what bandit is real quick. So bandit goes on the back of your phone. It, 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 this one is not adhesive, but you just put it on the back, you pop it, now you have a grip device. It rotates 360 degrees, so you can put it in portrait or landscape. The other nice feature is the band comes out, so you can change it for however you want, whether you want different colors. We also have uh, branded some. We did this one for an artist out of Nashville that gives away to his uh, fans. So we have a really cool, unique thing. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of where we are. So we launched it. Um, and when did you launch? Like we, we launched right before, obviously, COVID. Yeah. Um, so that's been a kind of it hasn't been a struggle, really. Our, my main issue is understanding where that lane is. Where should I be? Where you know, should we be running through our our website? Should we be going to Amazon? Should we be going to, you know, B2B? Should we in brick, brick and mortar? So we're kind of in that phase now. Like I said in my video, I thought everything up to this point was going to be difficult. And I thought this product is so cool. Once it gets out there, everybody's going to jump on it. Yeah. And I know it's a very crowded, crowded field, but I mean, there's 300 million smartphone users in the U.S. alone and over 5 billion worldwide. So yeah, I just want a little sliver of it, um, but we've had fun. It's been, you know, we all still have our day jobs. We're in a very, very early phase of this. One of the things like I showed you, this is a adhesive part that goes on the back of the phone. Our new one that we're designing now is MagSafe. So we're doing the MagSafe one, two, clicks right back on and goes in. And then we also have our phone cases that these are prototype cases that we're in development now with too. So I've, I'm going in three different channels here. 
Um, we think it's a great, great brand. And we're just looking for some advice, I think, from you as to, hey, where would you take this next? How do we, you know, I, I've got it on our website, but how do we get the next level? Yeah. And look, I, I, I think um, you're, you're, it's that, that journey. It's the journey. Yeah. Now, now, this is a much longer journey, but it is the, it is the idea of how exciting and, and smart an idea feels, then the, the, the pain of developing, especially technical hardware. You know what I mean? Now it's like, then you got to find manufacturing. Then, then yeah. they make the samples and the samples aren't even close. And then it's like, they said they'd get it to you in two weeks and it's been two months. It's like, it is, it, it is this continual um, chaotic process. Then, then. Then you were like, boy, the bandit's ready to roll. We did it. Let's rock and roll. You pop that thing out on the market and it's crickets. Because it's like, okay, who's going to buy it? How do I get them to buy it, right? And it's like, okay, how come they're not buying it? And somebody tells you like, hey, you got to make like a really nice promo video and explain what it is. And boy, did you guys ever, man. The way the content you guys actually created, clearly from a local agency, wherever you live, wherever yeah. you're at located, built you this, this beautiful, cool, positioned it for you, drove it out there. Then, hey, let's spend a little bit of money and we can't get any return on ad spend. They're telling me we got a low row ass right and the problem is is like actually finding customers in itself again is the most difficult process you know what i mean and yeah. and to me um you know especially in the crowded space of direct to consumer where you're going to try to do um you know facebook ads and these sort of traditional ways of of trying to drive uh, people to your website and converting them to customers, right? It, it becomes almost impossible because you can't spend a hundred dollars to sell somebody uh, a twenty dollar item, right? And and so, so here we are, right? And and you know, I'm I do think there's a lot of barriers um, when when you look at the bandit as it relates to it, it is an incredibly competitive space that like um you certainly created something unique with the way that snaps right across and rolls over and and has a unique experience but there is a nuance as it relates to to stands on um on the back of phones there's there's already the sticker alternatives for sliding your hand through and having just having the grip there's there's the the prop ups and and there's all these different every possible issue um has been solved for the cell phone. So you're walking in with a nuanced way of, of solving a traditional issue um, that's done differently that you're hoping is a better experience, a cooler experience, and that connects with the customers. But I don't think you're telling the story the right way, the way that you've approached it. You know what I mean? And and, yeah. and, I, and I wrote down, and that's why I asked you earlier, I had him, I said, can you please send me the ads you guys are even running? Yeah. Because I really yeah. wanted to, to get a better understanding of like, like what you guys were doing. But I, I love this on your website. This is what you have on your website. We had one simple but seemingly impossible desire to save people from dropping their cell phones ever again. Like to me, Never drop your cell phone ever again is where your entire messaging should start and stop, right? Yeah. Because it's like, yeah. like at the end that of the day, sense. you know, you're like, you're, 
the fact that it can be a stand, that you can slide it onto the bottle, that you can use it horizontally, these, these different things, it's really this quick and easy way to, to make sure you've got your cell phone completely and handled to where you're never going to drop it again. And, and this idea of like, we're on this mission to nev- to save people from dropping their cell phones ever again. Never drop a cell phone again. Get a bandit and never drop your cell phone again. It becomes this much easier way for somebody to identify um, what this is going to deliver for them. Then they can discover like, oh, look how cool it is. It, like you hit it and it wraps right around your finger. Oh, like you can customize it. You can do all these different things. And I think you, I would even reframe the, like how the packaging is and it just be big, never drop it or go get stickers made and drop that on there. Like I would just have the, the ads, try ads again that just say, never drop your cell phone again, get a bandit. And people are going to be like, what's a bandit? I don't want to drop my cell phone again. Right. It's, it's, it's that like boiling it down to this very simple value proposition of what you're delivering on that is pure to how you've already built the language, I think has a lot more potential than trying to to kind of deliver on all of these different sort of things, i.e. it's a to not drop it, but it also serves as, as a stand. You know, because yeah. it's circular, it can be put on these other things. It can get you horizontal or vertical. It, it's all of these things are great add-ons to the fact that you're really on a mission for you not to break your cell phone ever again. You know, when I think of what can work in this day and age. And so I, I would also say to you, you say, hey, should we do Amazon? Should we do direct consumer? Should we do retail? Should we do B2B? I'll tell you what, you should try to do it all. You should try to do every last aspect. When we launch a business today, depending on what it is, right? Like we launched Luso Cloud, a luxury uh, footwear brand. We would yeah. not sell it on Amazon, right? Um, we would only sell it direct to consumer and through core retailers. We didn't even open up to to mainstream retail. But when we launched MindRight, you know, our, our nootropic superfood, our brain food, we launched on Amazon and direct to consumer simultaneously and then followed it up with core retail. And now we're doing tests in 7-Eleven and looking to expand. Um, and they refer to it as omni-channel. You know what I mean? And, right. and look, even in some of, of the businesses, like we, we will make products for uh, actual retailers that, that we have the manufacturing capabilities. We'll, we'll make it and just put their name on it and sometimes just to create revenue. Because at, at the end of the day, like you got you to gotta have some signs of life that there's a business here that can be successful and ultimately worth your time and energy. You know what I mean? Like, and, yeah, for sure. and you can begin to build that momentum and, and you, you never know like where that place could be. Cause it could end up being one set of stores in Myrtle beach, South Carolina for tourists that are coming in like that, that want something to have a grip while they're walking on the beach. You know, it it could be almost anything, but you have to try any and everything that you can. Right. Yeah. That's, that's, that, that becomes for me, that's the chat. That's kind of that roadblock. As I said, you know, we're getting over these hurdles. This seems to be the highest hurdle, which is surprising 
Yeah. Because I'm like, okay, well, we're, you know, we have limited capital, right, to go out and just throw money at content and see if that'll hit. Go over here, see if that'll hit. Try to get into retail, see if that'll hit. I know we've got something because every time I'm out with people, I mean, I can sell them left and right at dinner. If somebody sees it, they're like, hey, where do I see? That's the coolest thing I've ever seen. That's much better than Pop Socket or some of these other. They'll go right to the website and buy. Um, but but my problem is as a family business, it is, it is and I, I don't want to say it's a problem. This has been a blast to this point and it's still fun. I mean, I, I've listened to what you say about getting up every day and, and having a purpose and being happy. I'm happy every day. We laugh about where we are with this and we laugh that we're this far. Um, but this is that one step that I'm like, I want to be very careful here because I don't want to shoot ourselves in the foot here and go one in one lane and where we probably should have been in the other. And I like the fact that you your point's very well taken. I think our video on our website is outstanding. The guys that did it, love them to death. They did a great job. But the message isn't clear enough on that video in the first 15 seconds to tell you, never drop your phone again. That's it. Ever. That's it. And you look, and, and given the state of, you know, you know, re- really kind of understanding, you know, where you are and kind of how this is a side hustle, if you will, right? As yeah. it relates to um, your life and ultimately your peace and happiness and everything that you're about. And it's a feather in your cap and a joy if this eventually buys you the the vacation home that you desire to have or whatever your whatever your your financial dream is. But I it hearing you talk is I don't think you bother with Amazon. It's complex. I don't yeah. think you bother with direct to consumer. It's complex. I really think that you uh, literally identify as many possible retail outlets as possible and go and meet them one-on-one because all it takes is one to not only bring you in, but then for you to begin to convert for them. And then now you are part of their mainstay because everybody that comes in that door has got a cell phone. And if it says on that packaging, you know, we have a, in, in our world, we have a thing called, um, capture, compel, convert. Right. And it's the idea if someone's walking in a store, why would they look back over at that to see what it is? And if it says bandit, like they're not going to like it's not going to grab them. And if they see it, they're not going to be sure what it is. It says never drop your phone again. It's like, okay, what is this? Oh, as you stick it on the back. Oh, and it wraps right around like that. Oh, that's cool. Right. Like like convert. Right. And so, you know, to me adjust that packaging, tighten up that messaging, and take it to retail. Can I interrupt you real quick? When you say take it to retail, you know, that's obviously getting through those gatekeepers to to get that sit-down meeting is a little bit of – I've tried a little bit. I mean, I'm new to it. Yeah. I know I've taken it to many uh, different uh, cell phone stores just in our area, and every single one of them, the manager's like, that would sell through here, that would sell through here. But then I'm like, okay, well, what's the next step? They're like, well, you got to get a hold of our regional. And and so I'm, I'm, I, the gatekeeping thing is a little bit of a uh, nuance for me, but I know we'll get through it, but yes. And so, and so here's the quickest way around all those gatekeepers <laughs> is you go out and find somebody. You search on LinkedIn. Yep. You search on, on wherever you find somebody that came from the accessory business that was either in sales or operations at, from 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 one of the companies that you know built cell phone uh, accessories that has that relationship, and you go do a deal with them. 
You know, it's like anytime, even when we launched, you know, in Stitches, we launched a sock card, yeah. right? Uh, that we call footnotes. That's essentially, you know, one of, you know, it's never been done based off of the skill set of the great Taylor Shoop's manufacturing ability. He was able to turn and build a sock card uh, in this brilliant sort of new approach to a half gift, half card. But we just immediately, we just ripped through LinkedIn. And looked at like all of sort of the new innovative sort of different uh, card companies and American Greeting and and Hallmark, all these different people that played. And we we actually pulled a couple consultants off there to give us sort of the pathway and strategy and to, to begin to bring it to market. So, uh, again, like I think if you almost look at it that clean, you go hunt down somebody that has that experience and and go do a deal with them, even if that is like you know, giving them a, a percentage of, of the sales, right? We, we have, sure. um, uh, one of our, our jewelry brands, St. Midas, it has a big retail partnership with Zoomies and, and an agent who had a re- sales agent who had a relationship with, with them brought us in there. And he, he lives in every single, every single one of those sales, right? But it's worth it to us. You know, now it's this hugely successful business because he walked us in there. Uh, so, so again, I think it, it's a super simple way of approaching it is redefine it, like make it like never drop your cell phone again. Go find somebody that can get you those those relationships, give them a piece of the action and you're off. You know what I mean? That's a much easier approach than like trying to do ad spend or trying to go to Amazon and dealing with their fulfillment yeah. and all that stuff. And even direct to consumer, everybody loves it for the margins uh, and the control for what it, what it is, but it's still, it's a difficult playing field uh, depending on what type of product you have. And, and so I really think that's a much cleaner, easier path for you to take, you know? Yeah. I, I, and I think, you know, I've like, yeah, I've done a lot of uh, pushing the buttons on LinkedIn, just reaching out to different professionals and, you know, I'm a professional in my own right. So, you know, and I've had some people get back in touch with us. Um, we had one guy from uh, Universal Music Group, because I think this, uh, this one we did for an artist, I think this is a great play because, you know, you can print on both sides and I think it's a great concert piece to be able to just sell. And the nice thing is that you can change it out. So I, I've had some back and forth with a guy from Universal Music Group. So those are the things that I think are that's great advice, because, you know, as I told my kids, I, I love to flip rocks over, you know, and I'm going to find something under one of these rocks that's going to help band it like get to that next level. Hey, and and uh, look, because I know it's a good I know it's a good enough product. Hey, you, you got the product. You need the person that can that That's knows it. how to sell it. Yeah. Just sell it. Right. Yeah, and so it's it. like somebody that came from the accessory world that's already sold millions of accessories is the conduit to then, then forget about whether you license it to someone before, sure. whether you got like all these different ways, they're going to be like, here's all the places you can sell it. Here's all the places I have relationships with. Let me go and do it. And then if he can't do it, you know what I mean? Then, then the market has revealed itself, you know what I'm yeah, saying? Exactly, Over time, yeah. you know, but yeah. I think you're one body away from, from realizing oh, appreciate it. appreciate uh, it. It's been, the potential. I'll tell you what, like I go back and say, you know, if it wasn't for my son's persistence, a 19-year-old kid's persistence, we never—I wouldn't be sitting on this uh, on your podcast talking with you right now. So, you know, I, I'm so fortunate to to have a great family and and two young boys that you know we all wear the different hats in this, and we're like, hey, this is fun. I mean, we play golf on weekends, and and during the week we're trying to grow Bandit. And uh, but but I'll tell you what, I mean, that's 
that's a great story in itself. A, a young man's persistence to to take his dad's advice to go back to and make a prototype and to come back and say, "All right, dad, let's go do this." Yeah, and uh, and, yeah, then, I love and it. then I'm like, "It's a good enough product. Let's go." Yeah, look, I, I love it, it's and fun. It's and fun. and I'm I'm. It's aspirational as a father. Thank you. Uh, Thank you. And, and I, I, I think it's an amazing, amazing sort of um, potential uh, story to be a great story that you guys can share in its success for, for forever, you know. But I, I do think you got to keep fighting to find that, that right resource uh, to make all the difference for you. But I, look, I wish you the best of luck and, and look forward to, to the bandit story, realizing the dream that the family always hoped for. Yeah, we'll get some sent out to you pretty soon. So thank you so much. We really appreciate it. All right, be good. We'll talk soon. All right, there you have it. Yet again, another inspiring show. I love this show. I love talking to these entrepreneurs. I just enjoy every aspect uh, of just being able to connect with people, talk about life and business. It's truly what I I really, really love to do. Um, As... Always, if you listen to the show, like and subscribe wherever you listen or watch this show. Of course, you want to be on this show. Come one, come all. Let's talk about it. Life and business. DeerDickMachine.com. We also invite you, if you want to play part in our process of business creation, become a machinist. You can also sign up to be a machinist and be a consumer collaborator at DeerDickMachine.com. And look, I'm just a guy. Uh, who's got a vision, you know, uh, who truly put a plan to the life that he's living and, and put all the effort that he could in to realize it. A little thing that we call see it, believe it, do it. Till next time, this is your boy, Rob Deerdeck.